This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Hockey News Podcast. Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell, Ryan Kennedy, and before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our boy, our producer, Stephen Ellis. I tell you right now, good guy, Stephen Ellis, Canadian boy. He's got a dislocated shoulder right now, no visor, and he's still doing the podcast, okay? So I just wanted to uh, say, Stephen, we love you. He's playing hurt. He's hurt, like he's holding his shoulder right now. Yep. He, should we tell how it happened? Like, yeah, you can tell how it happened. Yeah, he, he got hit by a cameraman at the, at the, Toronto Indie or something like that. Like, you know, even if that really happened, you might want to just say, yeah. Dress it up a little bit. Playing frisbee football, or I was, you know, I was saving a family from a burning building or something. Like, I got a cameraman backed into me and separated my. But the cameraman was dodging a crash. So, like, that's pretty. Stephen was close to a crash. That's pretty badass, I guess, you know? Sure. So uh, right now we're, we're getting close to the dog days of summer. We're not quite there. You know, there's still a lot of RFAs out there that haven't gotten their offer sheets or signed their contracts, uh, but we're close. So during these slower times, it's always fun to do an all mailbag edition of the Hockey News. We're gonna do that today. Yeah, so we're, we're all done. We're all mail, <laughs> the all mail bag. Uh, so we're going to start with a question from, it appears to be my dad. And it's a really... It's, it's, I like how you say, it appears yeah, to it be. Appears yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can tell because he, he wrote some adorable like words of support in the question. So he writes, when my son played hockey, I tried not to be one of those dads who coaches hated. And he puts in brackets, maybe my son is a hockey writer, albeit an excellent one, not an NHL player. Ah, oh, dad. Which NHL players have the worst hockey dads? Do teams shun or avoid signing players with nasty dads? Hey, first of all, there's a couple of things I have to say. <laughs> Let's unpack. Number one, the coach hated your dad <laughs> because you were his son and you were playing on the and team. I was terrible. Yeah, I know. That's why your coach, yeah. the coach, hated your dad. Well, the running joke in my family was like Matt, who? Like when I did something <laughs> embarrassing, like I fell down on a breakaway and then I cried, or you know. And then, excellent hockey writers. <laughs> Who's gilding the lily just a little bit just there, a maybe? Bit. I'm a solid B minus. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so to answer my dad's question, though, it, it is legitimately a thing. I'm not sure everyone knows this, but oh. there are a lot of NHLers that have dads that behave like the deranged rep hockey parent that just won't leave the coach alone. And we even get dads that won't leave us alone, sending stats about their yeah, yeah. sons. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Who would be the pick for you guys? Ty Domi. Ty Domi? Yeah. No, t- <laughs> no, of course. That's quick. Ty Domi. So as, as, in, as Max Domi's dad? Yeah, as Max right. Domi's dad. Yeah. yeah. As, yeah. as opposed yeah. to like Ty Domi's yeah. dad. As opposed to Ty Domi's dad. <laughs> right, right. No, no, Ty Domi, Max as Domi's father. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You, you want yeah. to elaborate? Or? Uh, <laughs> just a lot of coaches have, um, have uh, been subjected to uh, his uh, suggestions. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I'm not going to go specific, but I will say to the second part of the question about teams shunning or avoiding signing these players, they don't. And I know this because you hear a lot of chatter from scouts about nightmare dads and nightmare parents. If a kid's good enough, it's not going to be a problem. I remember asking one player uh, about one player in particular. He's an NHL star now. And at the time, his dad was very involved. Uh, his dad also played in the NHL. And what the scout told me was, you know what, right now the kid's 17, but when he's 21, 23 years old, he won't be, you know, 
under the dad's influence as much so you don't worry about it too much. So. I think all things being equal, though, like if you're picking between two players, mm-hmm. I would say that all things being equal, you're going to go with the less, the, the lower maintenance. As sure. a tie breaker. Okay. As, as a tie Yeah, as a tiebreaker, yes. So it hurts yeah. marginal players more, guys that are you yes. know in the quad A tier that have a and, chance to make it. Yeah. But. And there's a ton. There's a ton. Like, I mean, there's oh, yeah. a lot of them out there. And they not just guys who played in the NHL. I mean, there are, you know, there are a lot of crazy, crazy parents out yeah. there. And, and it's weird. We get contacted sometimes and there's a certain player. I don't know if I want to name the player, but there's a player that's been in the news a lot. Enough enough of a newsmaker to have been on the cover of our, of our magazine before. Okay, that's the way I'll describe the player. But when we have a player who's that big on the cover, but the dad is still emailing us saying, don't forget about this stat. Hey, you should put my son here. It, it's a little out there. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it does feel bit, like yeah. rep hockey all over again. Uh, so that's a good question, Dad. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> okay, now let's uh, get away from the nepotism, and we're going to go to Vili Paninen. And Vili asks, in a fantasy world, and he puts in brackets, or reality, since Wayne Gretzky got traded, what would be the price of a, of a Connor McDavid trade, and who would go for it? Please show your best effort and imagine the packages you just can't say no to. So Vili mm-hmm. wants us to really put some work into this. I've concocted a trade. Ryan, let's start with you. All right, I, I have two. This is a fun question, and I, I do like these, because you, you have to say to yourself, what would Edmonton consider, uh, and what would the other team, because it's got to be a bit of, it's got to be pain for the other team. You're getting the best player on the planet, so well, there's got to be some where, pain. That's where I'm going with it when it's yeah. my turn. Yeah, Yeah. okay, so I got two. My first is, oh, and also, you can't trade him within conference, because mm. that would be a nightmare, mm. right? So my first is Florida. Alexander Barkov and Aaron Ekblad. You get your number one center if you're the Oilers, and a pretty good one at that, Mm -hmm. and you also get a top-pairing defenseman, which you obviously sorely need. Uh, And the salaries, I I didn't do them off the top of my head, but I think it would probably be at least in the ballpark where you can make it work. The second one, and this is more of a uh, futures package, uh, to the Islanders, Matt Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier, Ryan Pulak, and two first-rounders. Interesting. I think that's enough yeah. of a price that uh, both teams would be down for it. That's good. It's funny. I almost did a Barzell package as well. I ended up doing Boston instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy for Connor McDavid. So Pasternak's contract is one of the best in the NHL. It's, he's still in the sixes, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And McAvoy's in RFA right now, but let's say even McAvoy signs for a $7 million AAV. That would only be about a million dollars difference mm-hmm. from McDavid. And the Oilers still stay young. They get two foundational pieces that are still going to be really good for a long time. Uh, but the, the Bruins, you know, Patrice Bergeron eventually is going to age out of being a number one center. So they have their foundation for years to come. And David costs a pretty penny, but hey, it's Connor McDavid, man. So that's my trade. Okay, so um, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you have to ask the question. Would, are we better off with what we have and Connor McDavid, or would we be better off without Connor McDavid and none of what we have, right? Okay. So therefore, you take McDavid, you're taking our roster. You're taking like our literally? You're taking our whole team. Wow. <laughs> you're taking our whole team. And you know what? A then 23 Edmund, for 23 Edmund, trade? Yeah, no, no, nothing. You take Connor McDavid, you're also taking Milan Lucic, you're yep. taking Chris Russell, you're taking our goalies, Woo! you're taking everything. Epic. Everything. Epic. Okay. And, and you know what? We'll start over again. So the, so the return is nothing? The return is... You like get future a blank, considerations? You get a blank canvas. You get wow. a blank canvas. Do you get an expansion draft? 
I, yeah, yeah, so I don't know, whatever. Who cares? Wow. Like, like, uh, so you don't even keep Leon Dreisaitl. It's one or the other. You, you either have McDavid and what you have, or you have, don't have McDavid and you have nothing, Ooh. and you're free of all, and you can start over. Wow. You can start completely over. So you want McDavid, you're taking... All of our junk. That's I got. I got to gotta give it to Ken for really Kenifying the crap out of that. <laughs> I respect it. Wow, sizzling, sizzling tape. But no, sorry, no, no team can take that on. You only get fifty contracts in the NHL. Well, you got to work it out. You it's it's out the off the season. Other. It's the off season. You can do whatever you want. If anyone can do it, it's Steve Eiserman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, okay, we're talking about like I know you can't do that, but who's yeah. trading Connor McDavid anyway? Well, who's, who trades Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. Fireworks, man. Okay. Yep. Next question is from Jordan Sampson. Jordan says, if you were a GM and could hire any coach, living or dead, to be your bench boss, who would it be? I'd and hire a living coach. I'll take a living one. Yeah. Well, certain, certain NHL franchises, the <laughs> coach might do better. Hey, There's a skeleton up there. Might be more useful. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, I feel Bernie like we should have a calls. disclaimer. Weekend at Bernie for <laughs> <laughs> I had a buddy who went as Bernie Lomax for Halloween well, and he good. stayed dead the entire party. So like, wow. we, would, we would lift him and carry him around the room nice. and he just stayed there, flopped from the couch and not talking, sunglasses on. Nice. Committed performance. That's good. Uh, I think for this question, I feel like we should just have a no Scotty Bowman disclaimer. Oh, come on. Okay, you should have told us that yeah. before. Yeah. Well, you, but you should have known that. No, like, come uh, on. It's too oh, easy. Oh, okay. No, but think about this. What if Scotty Bowman just decided, woke up this morning and decided, you know what? I kind of feel like coaching again in the NHL. Yeah. I think I'll put it out there that I'm coaching. I, I'd like to coach in the NHL. There would be teams falling all over each other yes. to give him Mike Babcock money. Yeah. Maybe on a shorter term. Right. <laughs> he's a little older. But, yeah. but he's the guy. He's the guy for me. Yeah. And maybe if you didn't want us to say, not say Scotty Bowman, you could have told well, us. I, not I, to I say thought Scotty it was Bowman. off. Okay, yes. then I'll go Toad Blake. I'll go Toad Blake. Okay. Yeah. I go Al Arbor in that case. My, my yeah. original answer was Scotty Bowman, but if not him, then Al Arbor. It's interesting, Scotty Bowman, because we're working on a special project in a few months uh, where we're doing these oral histories of famous games, and there's one where I talked to Scotty Bowman for it, and I talked to a lot of his players from the, the Habs of the 70s, and it's crazy the way they talk about how he kept them on their toes and how much he would read the news. So if, if there was a news story, mm -hmm. this is, it was Rod Langway that told me this, it, if there was a news, a news story that a guy was going to start, Bowman would read that, and then because of that story, he would he would bench the guy for the game, so the guy would stay hungry because the guy would be like, "Oh, I read a, there's a report that I'm going to start getting more opportunities," and just based on that, Bowman wanted to oh, not okay. be predictable, uh. keep every player hungry, but so they never knew when they were going to be in the lineup, well, like the yeah. marginal guys. Yeah, yeah. At, the, yeah. at the time, with Langway yeah. being the example, he was more marginal. Well, he was he was a marginal guy for them. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's part career. of the reason why he got traded was he he wanted. He wanted a bigger role, and he wasn't getting it. But Steve Shutt always used to say about Scotty Bowman, for 364 days of the year, we hated Scotty Bowman. And on the 365th day, we picked up our Stanley Cup ring. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I, maybe I've told the story on the podcast before, I forget, but just that I ran to him in, at the United Center like last year, and he just said, oh, I introduced myself, and he's like, oh, the hockey news, eh? You guys got in trouble for that thing you wrote. I was like, what thing? And he was like, mm-hmm, and he walked away. And I was like, oh, yeah. so he can even keep us on our toes. That's right. Uh, if I had to pick... <laughs> keeps us on our toes. What? Yeah. I was like, what? I was spinning. I was like, what is he talking about? And, then, and I started Googling, like, hockey news scandal, and I couldn't find anything, and I still don't know what he's talking about. Uh, I, I might go Pat Burns, uh, just because he... 
he had a knack for whatever franchise he took over. He was a great turnaround artist, yeah. and he could take any team and make it just a lockdown club defensively. I was always impressed about that for Pat Burns. So that was my non-Scotty Bowman answer. Um, so next question is from Lace em Up. And at Lace, Lace em Up, up Podcast. Up. Is that your rival podcast there, Lace em Up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you sending questions to your competition there, Lace em Up, huh? Yeah, I'm going to be listening to see if you uh, steal this from no, us. No, that's just what they want. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be their headline. Let's give terrible answers. Uh, so Lace em Up asks, Jordan Bennington's two-year deal signed on Saturday takes him straight to UFA territory in July 2021. The issue is that Rask, Frederick Anderson, Pekka Rene, Devin Dubnik, Antiranta, Phil Grubauer, Peter Mrazek, Carter Hutton, Curtis McElhinney are all 2021. UFAs. Is it a smart move by the Blues, uh, but a smart move for Bennington? Interesting question, because if Bennington's going to UFA in a year where there's going to be a flooded market, that stands to reason it's a bad move for Bennington, does it not? Not if you're betting on yourself. I mean, yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned about Jordan Bennington covering him in the Stanley Cup Final, and there wasn't much that I learned about him because he didn't let too many people in, uh, is that he's he's got an enormous amount of self-confidence, right? Um, this is a kid who thinks that, I, and, and I think there's something to it. I think he spent the first part of his career maybe not being devoted to being the best NHL player he could be. Mm-hmm. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but now he gets it, and I think he thinks the sky's the limit for him. So he plays two years. He puts himself into that, uh, into that group of elite goaltenders in the, <coughs> in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And then he cashes in, right, after that. Because here, I mean, this one was to avoid arbitration too, right? This is probably about what he would have gotten in arbitration. I th- maybe he would have got a little bit more, um, but it would have been a two-year deal because he took the Blues to arbitration, so they would have elected a two-year deal. So this basically cancels out arbitration. It's a bridge deal, so to speak. And you know what? Like, like I said, with Jordan Bennington, I don't think any of us really knows for sure what this guy is capable or not capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 could, I wouldn't be surprised if he caught lightning in a bottle for a couple of months and was just an average goaltender for the rest of his career. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next Ed Belfort and ends up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, I, I mean, because I don't know. We it's don't early, know. Yeah. We yeah. just don't know. And I blogged about <clears> this um, on Monday, and he hasn't even played everybody in his own division yet. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's how small a sample size we have. And like you said, like he could be the next Andrew Hammond. He could be the next Dominic Hasek. You know, guys that start a bit late. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. And I think that's why this is such a good deal for the Blues, is they're not repeating the same mistakes that other Cup winners have they're made. Not, they're not repeating the mistake they made with Jake Allen. Yeah. Also that, that. That's the mistake they're not repeating. Yeah. <laughs> and with it only being two years and 4.4 4, uh, as an average value, it's a proper window to figure out what they have yep. there. Yep. And if it's something good, then, well, you're going to have to double a salary next time. But if you have to do that, then obviously you have an excellent goaltender yeah. on your hands. Right. So you're it, totally so willing fine, to do fine, that. Good problem you're fine have. paying him exactly. $8 million yep. if, he's a, if he's a perennial Vezina Trophy finalist. Exactly. Paying guys like big contracts right after cup wins has proved to be disastrous for a couple of franchises. And it's not the players themselves necessarily, it's just how much space that yeah. that ties up. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, as soon as their extensions kicked in, the, the Hawks ceased to win playoff rounds. They haven't won one since. Right. LA Kings, after Kopitar's extension kicked in, they went into the tank. Part of that was just the machinations of the lineup, but 
part of that is also be such a big well, chunk. And you're paying dedicated. a declining asset. You're, you're, paying, pay, yeah, you're paying a declining asset. You're paying guys case, for what they do. Yeah, in this case, you're not as much. Like, there's still yeah. some upper tra trajectory for, yeah, especially there. Especially for yeah. goalie. You know, I mean, but with Kane and Taves, they had, they had to sign them. They sure. had to sign them because if they had gone on the open market, like, Kane and Taves are underpaid. Or were underpaid when they when they signed yeah, that extension. Yeah. Yeah. They, if they had gone on the open market, they would have gotten way more. And yeah. a lot of GMs, I think Sam <laughs> Bowman said this even for a story we did on like the, the top heavy roster construction that they feel like they owe it. And Dean Lombardi too. It's like even though you know you're paying for past production, it's like you you owe it to your players because they won you a Stanley Cup. And there's that's sort of this old school mentality. Mm. It can it can be very flawed though because it hurts a team down the road. And now Dean Lombardi's not the GM of the LA Kings well, anymore. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to say no to somebody yeah. who just. Delivered you a Stanley like Mary Cup. Gabbard, it's, it's for really example. Yeah. It's really hard because, you know, what do you tell your fans? Okay, we were committed to winning and now we're not. No, we're not like, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. That's right. And the thing is about the list that Lace Em Up sent here, um, every one of those guys would be younger or older than Bennington when Bennington goes to market. So he yeah. still would have the edge theoretically on all of them if, if he's playing, if he's maintaining mm -hmm. his level. Of and if you're looking at two years from now, I mean, you look at that list and how old some of those goaltenders yeah. are yeah. at the high end. It's like, I don't know how many goaltenders you would take over Bennington in two years, right. like even maybe. Of, well, even now, who would you take over Bennington now? Right, right now. You'd take Rask. Yeah. You'd take maybe Ranta. I wouldn't take Ranta because of the injuries. I would take maybe yeah. Freddie Anderson. Maybe Anderson. Yeah. Just maybe, size. maybe Grubauer. Like McElhinney's going to be a hundred in twenty twenty one, isn't he? Exactly. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next question comes from, what a name, Matthew Lord of Bread and Butter. What a name, Matthew. And Matthew asks, whatever happened to was he a ranger? And then this other guy, Cam, at Legs Benedict, chimes in, it was lamb next. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. We just scrapped it because no, it we ran out of rangers. Well, it kind of ran its course. You yeah. know, you do some things, and yeah, I mean. You know what? The, the thing was, hey, it was an I organic. It was fun. I it always, was fun. It was yeah. fun. We always had, we had fun with it. I don't know yes. if people... Some people liked it because they used to comment like so. on it, right? Like, but it was fun. I it was fun because it. it was organic, and then it got to the point where we were like looking guys up on HockeyDB, and I feel that's where it kind of jumped the shark. Where it's like, well, if we're <laughs> if we're actively seeking out players and yeah, wondering yeah, if they're yeah. a ranger, then that's not really in the spirit yeah, yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah. Paul Coffey was he a ranger? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Played for pretty much everybody yeah, else, except for the Rangers. <laughs> Paul uh, Coffey, was he a Carolina Hurricane? Yes. He was. Yes. yes. Okay, that, that was a little too easy. I'm going to say he had an 11-goal season. Paul Coffey was he a Boston points? Bruin. Steven's going to yes. look it up. Steven's going to yes, look it up. Yes, he was. Okay. He was. Uh, next question is from Kevin O'Brien. Was Kevin. he a Ranger? Never <laughs> 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 uh, Kevin says, I know as journalists you're supposed to be neutral, but you obviously grew up with a favorite team and player. Who are they? For myself, my dad and I were Hartford Whalers, season ticket holders, and Peter Vondra was my favorite player. So uh, first off... Uh, I, I'm not going to answer the team part. I just I like to keep that kind of under wraps because sometimes it can affect people's perception of us if they think that we're homers for a certain team. But I will answer the player part. Uh, and I was always a huge Steve Eiserman guy, and that's the number I wore for all sports. And it's like my favorite number, always has been, and I just love the way Eiserman played. That's my guy. Oh, Steven's holding up the stats for Paul Coffey. You were right, 11 goals. Boom. Nice. But not 44 points? I didn't check. <laughs> All right, forty. Damn, forty. Close. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, so that's my guy, Steve Eiserman. You guys, you guys can answer the team part if you want to, but I just oh, yeah, I'm gonna keep it under wraps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's always been the Montreal Canadiens. It was a great bonding experience with my dad. My dad was a big Montreal Canadiens fan, so I became a Montreal Canadiens fan. We would watch the games on Saturday nights because 
when I was a kid, that was the only night hockey was on. They did have games on Wednesday nights sometimes, but I had to go to bed all the time. Um, first time I ever got to stay up to watch the entire game was in 1971 when the Canadians beat the Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Final. Mm. Um, my favorite player was uh, a guy who retired after that season, Jean Beliveau. Mm-hmm. Uh, got up when he scored a couple of weeks before the end of that season the 1970-71 season he scored his 500th goal on Cesar Maniego and my dad came in and said John John Bellowood just scored his 500th goal so I got to get up and watch it watch the replay of it so he was my favorite player they were my favorite team uh, growing up and then after he left it became Frank Mahovlich Frank Mahovlich was big time my favorite player after that and then then the Sudbury Wolves of course I was like super super into the Sudbury Wolves because that was my hometown team there you go uh, I grew up a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and uh, my favorite player was Russ Cornell. I cried when they traded him for John Cornick, <laughs> straight up. And hey, then he should have cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, the next time Montreal played Toronto, they, I, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, obviously, I became a Leaf fan because I'm from Toronto, and that was the team and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, I grew up in the worst era of Toronto Maple Leafs hockey. Like Harold Ballard. Like the Harold Ballard years, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the first time Russ Cordenal played the Leafs as a member of Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Toronto like 10-3. to 3. And I think Cordenal probably had <laughs> yeah. like, you know, two or three points in it. But, right. yeah, Russ Cordenal is my, my first favorite hockey nice. player. Nice. And it's weird, too. A question I've gotten before is, do you ever get, you know, starstruck or nervous talking to players? And I never have. But the only exception being if it's someone that was your peak idol from your childhood. Yeah. So the first time I interviewed Steve Eiserman, that that was the one time that I was like, oh, my God, it's Steve Eiserman. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like me, I, a throwback me, to my childhood. Was Bell, like, every time I talked to Jean Beliveau, I call him Mr. Beliveau. I, I, I was lucky enough to have his home phone number so I could call him at home. Uh, we, I, and I really, I would, I would get a little nervous and stuff, but, but it, it's always funny. Like my dad, my dad died 20 years ago, um, but it, it was always a big sort of bonding thing for me and my dad, the Canadians. And I, you know, I think now I'll, I'll be talking to Ken Dryden or like I'll see Scotty Bowman in Florida and we'll be chatting and I'll be, I'll like be like, wonder what my dad would think about yeah. this because yeah. we used to scream at these guys on TV <laughs> all the time. For Bowman's sure. juggling his lines again. My dad would go out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Next question comes from Ernie Morris and Murray asks or says, I would love to see a summer hockey tournament similar to the TBT, the basketball tournament. Would there be any interest? Well, I'm going to start off by saying, what is the basketball tournament? I have not heard of it. Have any of you heard of it? I Googled it. Oh, nice. Yes. I, and from what I gather, it's like an open 64-team basketball tournament. There's a $2 million prize for winning it. And so I guess you just kind of apply. Is it like a street ball thing? I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many players. So, like, Yoker is not going to enter this tournament. Like, it's going to be. Right. It's going to be schmoes for the most part. Yeah, like the the winner, according to Wikipedia of the last one, was like overseas elite. So it's like. I, I gather it's probably like a bunch of guys who play college and, and they yeah. all play men's league somewhere. Right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, what we're looking at here is like a 64 team single elimination hockey tournament that anybody can in, enter. That sounds pretty exciting. So, yeah, I, I would say yes. I, I think there would be interest in that. Absolutely. The question is would you do it in the summer? Or are you more likely to get interest with it? Like, did you do it during the All Star break? There would not be spectator interest, there would be not, not be commercial interest. 
Like, people are not going to watch a bunch of schmoes play hockey right. in the middle of the summer. No way, no yeah. how. I, I might no, watch no, the finals like people don't to go, see. People don't go to see... Like, people didn't go to see John Tavares play. You know what I mean? Like, they, like he should have been filling the building. Like, you know, people don't go see pro hockey here. They don't go see Toronto Marlies. Which, and these guys are almost good enough to play in the NHL. Would there be interest? I, I guess there'd be interest from a participation level. It'd be yeah. cool. But, like, if you're talking about... Sponsorship money and TV deals and stuff like that—not a chance, in my yeah. opinion. Not yeah, a chance. I, I'm kind of interested. Which, which, in which, which, which sort of makes you wonder where they're going to come up with the two million bucks. Yeah. But anyways, go so, ahead. Sorry. Some guy that has two million dollars <laughs> yeah, yeah. wanted to put on a basketball team. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing for me would be if you got players that were at an elite level, and I think you would have to have it in the summertime just because of the schedules. But all their teams would be like, uh, "Don't do that. You're going to get hurt." But having yeah. said that, I know that they have something similar in soccer in Britain where there's a tournament where like college teams end up playing like Manchester United and Crazy. I think it's the FA Cup or something like yeah, that. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. To me yeah. that w- that's always sort of fascinating where you're like wow, wouldn't it be cool if like Michigan State ended up playing the Chicago Blackhawks or something like that. But it's I don't know. The, the schedules just don't dictate yeah, it for yeah. hockey because it's such yeah. it's such a more rigorous physical and sport. Like, than like by the time summer comes, I like I don't want to talk about hockey. I don't want to watch hockey. But you're I know, doing it right but, now. But I, know, <laughs> but I know a lot of people like they tweet out like last week. Geez, I miss hockey. Oh my god, I can't wait for it to start again. I'm okay. Yeah, you I'm need okay. somebody. You like to hang up the skates yeah. for a while. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's yeah. why Ken takes like 26 weeks vacation <laughs> every summer, which he will be soon. So don't worry, you'll get a break from him. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I agree. Sometimes like you need to miss something, right, to appreciate it. Yeah, even exactly. Wayne, even Wayne. Gretzky How can I miss that? you? How can I miss you if you, you don't, don't go ever go away? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So after move the world championships. <laughs> oh, Steven ah, says yes. move the world championship. Good plan. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, for sure, Steven. And then yeah. he says, ow, my shoulder. <laughs> uh, that's pretty mean. Like, it just happens. Steven, Steven <laughs> Too hasn't soon. even gotten his medical treatment yet, yeah. and I'm making fun of his shoulder. Like, oh, I made fun of how it happened. Cool. He backed the camera back, and the cameraman yeah. backed into him. Yeah, that camera. Yeah. Screw yeah. him. Backed yeah. into him. Ouch. Uh, next question <laughs> is, is from Chris C. And Chris C. asks, can the Bruins actually salvage a decent roster given their salary cap limitations. Well, to me, it's not about salvaging. They were one game away from winning the Stanley yeah. Cup final. And yes, mm-hmm. you've lost Marcus Johansson, but overall, most of that roster is going to be intact. You lost Noel Chari, but again, you brought in Brett Ritchie. You can play a similar role, checking-wise. It's still going to be a very good team, and I think mm-hmm. a team that's very experienced and built oh, to win yeah. the playoffs. Like They oh, might yeah. not win as many regular season games as Tampa or maybe this year Toronto, but... They're going to be a contender again as Absolutely. far as I can they, see. Got, they've got $8 million in cap space, and they've got to sign Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo. Now, we know that that's not, not going to cut, right? <laughs> but it's the middle of July. I mean, they'll yeah. figure it out. They will figure this out, uh, you know. And, and I, I, oh, yeah, I think, I think the Boston Bruins are going to be... They're, they're in that conversation still. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. they're in the Stanley yeah. Cup conversation without question. They're a team that you do not want to play in the first round of the playoffs. Probably not in the second round either. Yeah. Still at this point. And yeah. As long as... Yeah, the longer you can wear those guys down, and yeah. I think that's what we saw, the, the better chance you have of beating them. But And it's not going to happen in the first two rounds. No, and I, I was going to say, like, as long as Patrice Bergeron is viable, you're fine. But I think the window actually extends a little further because you're getting into this great secession there where David Pasternak is still going to get a little bit better. 
I mean, he's amazing right now. He's going to be even better in the future. Charlie McAvoy is the same on the back end where, yes, Zdeno Chara has slowed down. You probably are only going to get him for another year or two. But by that time, Charlie McAvoy is going to be that 25-minute night guy who just dominates at both ends. And then you you just fill in the gaps. You've got the depth already. You've got a decent system. It's, I think they're they're fine for years. But I think they've got depth guys. Some of those depth guys, I think, have proved that they can take on more of a responsibility right. if mm-hmm. they have to move like, up in like the lineup. Like Sean Corrales. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like he, he, yeah, guys like that. I think, I think they can they can move up. Like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they've got Charlie Coyle for another year, right? Yeah. And unless they extend him, so you know, he's a guy that, I mean, he is their third line center, but. Man, and Jake DeBrusque really yeah. made a big, yeah. big strides. Yeah. I think he's not yeah. done ascending. It's interesting, you know. So I, I, I'm definitely of the mindset that the Bruins are going to be fine. But if I sort of play devil's advocate, one thing that's changed is a couple years ago you'd look at a contract like let's say David Backus's or something yeah. and say, oh, trade him to Arizona. But right now the sal- the idea of like the salary floor team that's just barely getting to the floor and is willing to take on bad contracts, it's not that common anymore. And I think part of it is mm. that the most common salary floor teams like Arizona and Florida are spending a lot of money and they're trying to go for it. So there isn't really that team that you know you can dump a bad contract to anymore. So I do think it takes, like someone asked me the other day, it it was referring to uh, whether Vancouver could find the money for Brock Besser. And it was like, you know, can they ship out Louis Erickson? And I was like, oh yeah, they'll just send them to Arizona. Wait, no, they can't send them to Arizona (laughs) anymore. Coyotes are spending to the cap. So maybe that's Detroit for a while. Yeah, it could be Detroit, you know what I mean? Ottawa, yeah. Ottawa, Ottawa Ottawa won't want to spend the actual physical dollars though. But if you if you have a contract where the cap hit and the specific yeah, dollar and amount are different, if it was if it yeah, was a front loaded yeah. contract, Bonuses. then you're, you're only paying the guy two million, but he's his cap hits five. Yeah. That's that's where yeah. you know that's where those guys can really yeah uh, you can move those guys along. Yeah. So that's what that's yeah. what Boston needs. If they could find theoretically the fit for like a David back, that would be an example, right? But uh, so next one is from Jordan Sladish. Sladish, who knows? It's one of those two. Why are kicking goals and goals directed in off the body purposely illegal? More scoring is what the league wants, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And I actually was speaking about this with, it was Mitch Korn a couple of years ago, because he was saying, even though he's a goalie guy, uh, he, he sort of liked the idea of being able to kick pucks in. I think we were talking about it because he was saying he used to like make rules for Dominic Hastert because he used to always want to throw his stick, but he was worried he was going to get his fingers broken. But what that reminded me of is why I think you'd have to be careful with that rule. Even though I would like to see kick-ins, the problem is if you if you don't outlaw kick-ins, you're going to get a huge increase in kicks with skates. So you're going to get a lot more yeah, risk of injuries. No, it's, it's definitely a safety factor. It's definitely yeah. a safety factor with with kicking. I think. I mean, you can kick the puck to a teammate in open ice. You can kick it to yourself. You can, you know, but to actually kick the puck into the net, that might open up a bit of a can of worms that I don't think people really want to want to open up. And and I mean. I don't know. I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Like you're supposed to, sh- you're supposed to have some skill, right? Like right. You're, su- you're supposed to be able to use, you know, to, to 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 have the puck on your stick and do something with it. You're not supposed to be able to like bat it with your hand or <laughs> kick it or whatever. You're you're supposed to have some skill. I'll, having said that, when Andrew Shaw headbutted the puck in, yeah, that should have counted. I yeah, mean, that was yeah, that yeah, was pretty yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, like, how many yeah, times is that actually going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can make that happen, I think they should count. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair. And I think you look back at Clinton Larchuk taking an errant skate that caused the horrific famous accident, but that was just by an accidental collision. But if mm. you have guys all game long purposely kicking 
near the goal yeah, line. How yeah, many yeah. more times are we yeah. going to see something like that happen? I know they've added the neck protecting guard, but you still run a risk of some but, and even, bad even stuff like, happening. But even like goalies, the guy, the guy goes down and a guy kicks. Like even if he doesn't hit him with his blade, like you get a skate boot in the head. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah. You know what I concussion, mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's. I don't think we're going to see... Like, it's been a, de- a topic of debate forever, mm. but I think it's one of those ones where people just, like... It's one of those blue sky things where people are like, well, what if, you know? And, yeah. then, and then everybody sort of has this conversation. Yeah. yeah. And they go... Yeah, maybe it's best. Yeah. It's all same as high sticks, right? If you decided it's okay to high stick a puck, then you're going to get way more guys getting sticks in the face. Right, same yeah. problem, right, right. right. Uh, so, uh, gonna have another question, and I didn't write down the name of the questioner, but I still have the question for this one. Okay, it's sort of a bonus question. We're gonna finish off with this question, uh, and the question is: Are the St. Louis Blues going to be a one-and-done team, or do they have a chance to go all the way again this year? What do you guys think? I've gone on the record several times as saying they're one and done. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they have the super elite star power to maintain this. Uh, and um, I mean, it was so un, it was so unpredictable. It was so you know nobody saw it coming. Mm. Uh, I, I just don't I just don't think that this is something they can they can maintain. I think you know they're the they're the 2006 um, 2006 Carolina Hurricanes or the 2007 Anaheim Ducks. They're not the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not the LA Kings. They're not the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean, full points for how they handled their business in the playoffs, and they got incredible performances all through the second half to get in there. But if they missed the playoffs in that crazy Central Division, it would not shock me. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing too. I mean, you got to get out of that division. Yeah, yeah. Like you could have to, you might have to play Nashville or Winnipeg in the first round if you get to the playoffs. You might have to play Dallas again, who almost eliminated you. Yeah. You know, they came one goal away from eliminating you this year, and they got a lot better in the offseason. So it's to me, there's just too much of a gauntlet in the Central to say, yeah, 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 yeah they've got what it takes to do it again. I, I agree, and I always say um, status quo will never cut it in the Central Division. So if you look, Nashville, they brought in Matt Duchesne, and Colorado, they brought in Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky, and Eunice Donskoy, Dallas adds Pavelski and Perry. Even the, the lower teams, like, you know, even though we don't agree with what they're doing, Minnesota still theoretically gets better. <laughs> they add Matt Zuccarello, Colorado right. adds Robin, or Chicago adds Robin Leonard. And sta- uh, St. Louis has been stagnant, and, and, okay. and that's that's okay, mm-hmm. right? So it's okay that St. Louis has been stagnant, but I think I don't think it's a it's a huge a far cry to say they're going to slip a little bit. Uh, and, and even you know we've said we, we're not very bullish on Winnipeg anymore because not only did they not maintain status quo, they actually got worse because they lost a lot of players. So yeah. I'm yeah. actually worried about Winnipeg's chances to make the playoffs right now because hmm. because of how devastatingly competitive that division is. Yeah. But also, if we rank a team fourth or fifth, and you'll see our yearbook and pool book, they're coming out soon. I won't give away our exact predictions, but. You know, St. Louis, I'll say we do not have them at the top of the Central. No, no. It's not an insult if you're in the middle of the Central pack. It's just, yeah. that's the thing. I still say it's five and three, though. Yeah, I, I, don't oh, yes, care, I don't care how much better Arizona's gotten. And, uh, you know, I still think it's a five and three configuration. It would be six and two if it was allowed. It would be eight and zero. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, no, seven. There's only seven teams yeah, right. in that <laughs> Seven and one. Yeah, seven and <laughs> one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Well, that's it for the mailbag edition. Uh, please send Stephen Ellis your well wishes, and uh, let's hope that shoulder of his heals up because he's a good guy, Canadian boy, <laughs> Stephen Ellis. Okay. 